we're in a series called Seek, and we do this every year in January. And uh, last week we talked in our sermon about how there's a thing called the law of first things. We saw it in scripture where what you do with the first, uh, God blesses the rest. He talks all throughout scripture about the importance of first things. Uh, The way that it's really communicated in scripture is a lot of times what you do with your first, God sees as devoted. So the first of your increase and, and all these different things are mentioned in scripture. And so in this month, the first month of the year, we always take a little bit of time to um, write vision and have God speak to us. And we ask him to direct our steps. And I mean, you know, the scripture says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And um, what's interesting about that scripture is it doesn't say the leap of the righteous, the, the, the huge jump or the jump off the cliff, it says the, the steps, you know, and so I think writing goals and having a vision and making some practical steps in your life, it's biblical. It's God's idea to, to have us write out goals, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. So I said all that to say what we do as a church in this series is we wrote this book, and it's a goals book, and it has six categories in it that really fit every area of your life. And what we do as a church and, and as a church family is we take these home, and we pray, and we ask God, and we go through them with our family, and we just write in our goals for the year. We just write in what we believe God is calling us into. And, um, you know, the scripture uh, in Matthew says that if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added to you. And it doesn't really work this way, but it kind of works this way of like when you put God first, so you seek him first, you put his ways first, everything else is added to you. Basically, it works like you're putting God's first, you're doing it his way. He gets to come alongside and participate with you. Now, how many know God doesn't follow us, right? But he's working with us. He's alongside us. He even talks about in Genesis, he would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. His voice was in the garden with them. Why? Because God is a God whose desire is to participate with his children. Amen? And so when we write goals and we ask God to be a part of what we're doing in our life, I believe that's, that's God's design. That's his idea. Amen? So we're going to talk about it. Today's sermon is going to be pretty practical. We're going to literally go through the categories and talk about what the scripture says about it. But I encourage you, take notes. You know, let this um, give you ideas. Let this give you some, some things that spark ideas because all of us want to do this year better than last year. Nobody's like, you know what? Last year was a good year. I hope this is a little bit not as good right? No, we all, it's like the scripture, you're made to go from glory to glory. God wants you to, as the scripture says, abound more and more. And so I believe that we can do more. And so we get this idea. So, you know, take notes on your phone, whatever spurs an idea, you know, just kind of gather some thoughts and uh, use it as you write your goals in your book. Again, those are free for you to pick up on the way out. But uh, we kind of started all with this idea in Psalm 90 verse 12. It says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. The reason I believe the scripture is so important about each day is because we know and God knows that every day has power in it. It's not like, hey, you know, uh, maybe a day here, maybe a day there. No, every day has great opportunity. Every day has a great opportunity for you to take more ground and advance God's kingdom. So it's saying, hey, you've been given the gift of every day that you get. Do something with it. And so it says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us spend them as we should. A couple things we notice in this. One, we all know this, days go fast. I have a five-year-old daughter who I turn around and I'm like, Where'd the little girl go, right? It was just her birthday in December. So like the time hop or Facebook was like, you have a baby and now you have a brat. I mean a baby or like a, <laughs> she's five. Everybody say, oh, please, please. If you knew how spoiled she was by me and she would also agree with that statement. So, but you know what I'm saying? You, you, just, you just go like, whoa. And so the scripture, it actually used this really important word. It says, 
teach us to number our days. That means it's work. It's a lesson. It's something we have to work at. It's something that you have to go to a church and get a book, and the pastor's going to be like, work hard at making your goals. That's how we learn, right? Being taught, like, this is something we have to give effort to. Amen? So, so teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. You can spend a day appropriately, and you can spend a day negatively. And, and that actually can happen every day. You can have a good Monday, and you can mess up a Tuesday. <laughs> Amen. And so it's like, teach us to spend our day, you know, and so that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to say, God, you know, help us number our days and spend them as we should, especially in this culture that works overtime to distract you. I think the the best player on the enemy's team right now is the captain of distraction that he sends into our lives. It's his MVP. He comes in and he gets us distracted and clouded and all this kind of stuff. And we miss what God is saying to us. Amen. And so this is where we spend our days. We number our days and spend them as we should. My mentor, and I shared this last week, said, says, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. But the result is still nothing. And many of us live our lives like that. We don't have a goal. We don't have a plan. We don't put out anything in place that we're trying to go after. And then at the end of the day, or you look back at your 2017 and you accomplish nothing because you aimed for nothing. We got to be a people who, who ask God how he'd have us go forward and how he'd have us move and operate and, and live in these days. Um, I thought about it like this. They say that most people overshoot what they can do in one year, and they dramatically undershoot uh, what they can do in five years. So, in the, so, so when, as you write your goals, just write, write them out. Jess and I have five-year goals and 10-year goals and all these other. We just really try to number our days and spend them accordingly. We set up our finances in a way that, that you, know, you have all these different tiers to it. Why? Because there's power in what you do in one year and what you plan for in five years. Amen? So write a vision for all of it. And, and my encouragement to you as you write your goals is don't overshoot. You know, everybody's like, you know, it's January. So you see a commercial on TV that's like, would you like to lose 100 pounds in 30 days? You're like, yes, I do. And uh, not possible. Sorry. to, and, and, and we buy into that, like what you can do in a few amount of days. But if, if you plan and you strategize uh, in an intelligent God-led way, I believe you can do it. Amen. And we say this all the time. The largest gap in the world is between what you know to do and what you actually do. Most of the time when people mess up and they miss it, they weren't surprised by something. They just didn't do what they knew they should have been doing. They let a guard down. Amen? And so we could just put that on our mirror and we could be done with the service today if we all just did that, worked hard at that. The largest gap in the world is between what we know to do, what we know we should be doing, and what we actually do. And so this year, we just make it our prayer of, God, help me make sure that there isn't a gap there. Amen? I thought about this, and we said this last year too, that many people, and I see this with people who have goals and strategies and they get into a business or they get into a ministry, uh, many people stop achieving goals because they start looking at somebody else's. So God speaks to you. God gives you a plan. God gives you a direction. God gives you a thing. And then you start looking at everybody else's and measuring yourself up to somebody else. God created you an original. Don't die a copy. Amen. God created you to be you, and he gives you goals, and he's going to lead you in a way. And so stop comparing yourself to somebody else's. I see so many people do damage to their lives because they're so concerned with somebody else. They'll uproot their family from a a church or a school or a town, or they'll quit jobs, or they'll leave things, not because it wasn't actually working for them. It's just because they didn't like something else that was going on in somebody else's life that really wasn't even their business. Amen? 
And the destruction we do of when we get off our own course, we say, oh, this place has been good for me, and I love this, and, and, uh, and, and this career, you know, they really, want, they really want me to go up this business ladder, but I really don't like what that person over in that other department does. So, no, what has God called you to? What's your thing? What's it do? Don't worry about others. That's that distraction thing, amen? So I see people miss their goals and miss what God calls them to because they spend so much time focusing on other people's, amen? So 1 Corinthians 9, 26 says, so I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. And so that actually happens to us, right? We get to Saturday and we look back at our week and we're like, what did we do, even do this week? You just felt like you've been hitting the air all week and you just feel like you accomplished nothing, you got nowhere. And this thing is saying, hey, run with a goal, like something in mind. Make sure you're hitting a target in your life. As you number those days and you spend them accordingly, hit things strategically, amen? That's why Habakkuk 2.2 says, write a vision and make it plain on tablets or seek books that your church made for you and that you may run with who reads it. And so you write a vision, you make a plan, a plan you write it down that you may run who reads it. Uh, it works sort of like a, a quarterback or somebody in an NFL game. You know, you write this vision, you have this playbook, you refer to it, and it gives you the ability to run out and execute it. Oh, what are we doing here? Okay, got it. I'm going to go back out and execute it. That's what having that vision in front of you does. Uh, I love this. The indecision, indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. Many of us don't have goals. We don't have a plan. We don't have something in front of us. And so when opportunity or success presents itself to you, you don't, you don't know how to decide what to do with it. You have indecision because you haven't made goals clear in your life and you miss the opportunity for, for success. That's what goals help us do. We have goals in front of us and we say, hey, does this opportunity line up with one of my goals? Yes, it does. And you seize it and you find success. Or you go, does this opportunity line up with my goals? No, it doesn't. And you say no to it and you avoid unsuccess. Amen? So a few categories here that we want to go over. Uh, six categories in the book and you can take notes. And this is going to be pretty practical, but hopefully helpful. Uh, but the first category here is family. And uh, I want to say this before I move into family, uh, is this scripture here, Second Chronicles 15, 7. It says, but as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. You have a promise in scripture that if you just stick to it, God's going to reward you for your hard work. There's going to be times where you're distracted or people talking negatively about you and, and you're saying, is this worth it? Is this going to happen? But just remember, you stay strong in it. You stay committed to it and your work will be rewarded. Amen. So the first one is family. Uh, family goals are really, really important for you to have. I think as you take this book and you sit down with your family, you make a plan. You have these goals for your family so you know how to find success. And some of the things that you should talk about in this book and as you write goals is, what is a goal for my family's prayer life? Like what should our, our I think you should decide. It should be determined. Um, our church planting organization did this to Jess and I. We went down there and they were evaluating our marriage as a part of planting us into uh, starting a church. And one thing they did to us was they split us up and they gave us very specific questions. And along those lines, what they did was they said, hey, do you and your wife have a, and they gave us these, basically they were trying to get to the bottom of like, do we have a plan for success in all these areas of our ministry and, and in our life? And I think it should be the same thing for you. Somebody should be able to come to you and interview and go, hey, can you separately, can you guys tell me like how you've come together and what the plan is for the prayer life in your family? Can you guys tell, and, and I think we should have an answer for that. We should have such a goal in place about how we pray and how we pray with our kids and how we interact. Amen? 
And don't make it rigid and religious. Don't make it like really, if you pray at dinner and you pray at nighttime and that's meaningful to you, great. I'm telling you, my daughter, she's five, and she's, she's learning like me uh, to throw prayers at things, and, and she's kind of me- messing it up a little bit, and that's how you let kids learn. And so she kind of prays like all the time on these whims, and, um, and so one would be like, hey, Dad, you know, like, can I play the iPad? And I'm like, no, no, you've had enough iPad time, and she'll stop and go, God, I pray that Dad lets me, <laughs> and I'm like, still not going to work. Um, but then she'll walk around in other little instances. Things will happen, and she'll genuinely stop and quick pray. But you know what we didn't do? We didn't get together in a huddle. We didn't light incense and everybody, family, come together. We're going to have a spiritual. She's just throwing prayers on things. And she gets that prayer should be an active part of her life. Amen? So prayer, what does it look like for your family? Like how, 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 how much do you want it? And how, I think you should talk about it. Church life. Uh, church life is a really big one. You know, for me, uh, as the pastor, of course, I'm going to tell you, I think it's the most important time in all of human history for people to be in church. Uh, They say the average American only goes to church every other week. So if we have 52 weeks a year, okay, let's just say you're in church 25 times. Well, think of it this way. If a church service is one hour long and you come 25 times a year, they say on social media in one week, you'll consume 50 hours of social media in one week. So that means the majority of your influence comes in one week. Like you trump your church influence in one week just in social media alone. Like how are you ever going to navigate through this life if your major influencer is just your social media? Amen? And, uh, and so I think to say, oh, 25 times. or So what I'm saying is our church life should be something that you decide in advance. I think it's a dangerous conversation that you're having in your home if your Saturday night or your Sunday morning looks like this. Hey, so what do you think? Are we going to go to church? Are we going or not going? I think you need to predetermine well in advance how many Sundays you're going to miss and when you're going to schedule those. Amen, Pastor Josh. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But I'm serious. I I, I think, think, and not just me as a pastor being like, you need to be in church. Uh, But I'm just saying, I think as a family, you sit down and you go, if there's 52 Sundays in a year, what do we think is appropriate? What is our desire to see our family in church? Amen? Community, the same thing with your family. Like, what's the appropriate amount of time for them to be involved in things? I'm all for sports. I think our kids should be in dance and all our kids are involved in those things. I think they should be a part of all of that, but it shouldn't be Lord of their lives. If it gets in the way of things at a high level, and I realize there are seasons where maybe it comes in front of youth group or something else, but if it's a lifestyle of in front of the way of God, then it's not okay. Amen? And so community, what's the right amount of time to be involved in things uh, with our family? Quality time is another one. I think if we got like a report at the end of the week and it showed you how much actual quality time you spent with family, we'd be pretty embarrassed. And I'm not talking like the TV was on and we were all in the same room. I'm talking like quality time, amen, where you're like pushing your kids down and you're coloring, right? Like family time, the good stuff, grass stains, amen? And, uh, and, and so quality time, I think you should sit down and be like, where are we going to write this in, amen? What's the appropriate amount of time we should spend quality? Here's another one, household fairness. I think a great way to eliminate fighting and contention and, and, and all that stuff is if you decide and have a plan in advance about what household fairness looks like, how much the kids are helping, how much the teenagers are doing, how much the husband's helping, what are we doing, what's fair in terms of household fairness, and if you agree upon the plan, the beautiful thing about agreeing upon the plan is you can't argue about it later because you agreed upon it. 
You actually get to say this. Well, this was your idea. Remember, you agreed upon it. No, that's not going to go over again. But you will eliminate a lot of tension in your home if you have a agreed upon amount of household fairness that's fair. Now, parents, make sure you build in reward. Make sure, make sure you build them up and reward them and, 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 and honor them for obedience. Amen? No? Okay, that's fine. I mean, I'm out of here in 15 minutes, so you don't have to agree with me. Projects are another one. What are some things you got to get done around the house? What are some things that for two years you've been telling your wife, I'll get to it? Listen, Lowe's has not been out of it for two years. It's not possible for them to be out of stock for two years. So what are some things that you sit down and go like, all right, this is the year that we're going to finish this. We're going to get this done. Amen? And we just decide on projects. That way the tension and the nagging and the, you know, stuff that way doesn't, doesn't get in the way, you know? Like where, and never mind. You know, the bucket of paint gets, keep getting put out, just keeps showing up. <laughs> How'd this paint bucket get back out here? That stuff doesn't happen. You know what I mean? And I'm telling it myself, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, we have a lamp in our bathroom for like a month because I've needed to patch a, a hole in the wall. It's just mud, just mud. I've only had to put mud on it three times and it's taken me a month. But we had a light that was working just fine there. I don't know why we had to take it down. So I didn't start this problem. <laughs> but projects, you just, you know, you just work together on, you just, what's fair, what are we going to do? And you work together to get it done. And then you got to build in fun things with the family. What are some places that you wanted to visit? You grew up, you're like, oh, I want to take the kids there, or we want to visit there, or we want to see that. Make a plan for it. If it's, if you've been saying it for three years, we got to take the kids there. We got to take the kids there. How about you make this year the year to take the kids there? Amen. Intentional activities. What are some things that you plan in on doing? going to the park, going to the beach, things that don't cost money. Just literally get out your calendar and start putting those dates on the calendar. Same thing with date nights. If you don't defend your date nights, you're not going to have them. You need to put them on the calendar. You need to make sure you're taking them. Jess and I, we fight over our calendar, always blocking things. I'm like, hey, well, what, why'd you, she says it to me but first, but why'd you put something on there? And I'm like, why'd you put something on there? And, and, you, and you just, so block them. Amen. You got to fight for your date nights. No? Okay. Then I'm just coming on yours then, guys. <laughs> so family stuff, make a plan for it. Like, just agree on it, and it'll take tension out of it. And I think God honors that and participates with you in seeing success in that. Number two is health, health goals. You heard us mention a class. Maybe you want to do this year better than last year. What are some of your health goals that you just write in? You just ask God to help you. Um, there's things like sleep. Some of us need to sleep better. You're, bin you're binge watching way too late, and you're getting up way too early, and you're not effective at work, and it it's running your body down. Maybe for you, a goal is literally just to sleep more. And uh, for some of you, it's sleep less, <laughs> you know? And uh, But what are your goals uh, that you need to make happen? Sleep. What are some habits that you still have in your life that are hindering your body? Body. There's things that you're putting into your body that have no benefit to your body. Uh, I love this thought here by Rick Warren. Uh, I saw a friend of ours uh, tweeted out this week, but Pastor Rick Warren said this in his book about our bodies. He said, God created it. Jesus died for it. The spirit lives in it. We better take care of it. I mean, think about all that God did to take care of your body. We need to do the same thing. So what are some habits? What are some things that we continue to put into our bodies or do to ourselves that's hindering the thing that God paid such a price for? That's what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says. It says, or you do not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you from who you have from God. And you are not your own, 
For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So saying, take care of that thing that God paid so much for. Um, Another idea is, what does your pace look like this year? Are you too busy? That's one thing Christians do, is we brag about how we don't rest. And God gave you a command to rest. It's like the command that Christians brag about breaking, is that we don't keep godly pace. And so maybe you do pace differently. Are there supplements you need to have this year? I mean, do you need to get on vitamins? Do you need to drink more water? Are there things that you know you should be doing that you need to make goals for? Is your emotional health something you need to pay attention to? Does that mean counseling? Does that mean you need to start talking to somebody about some issues because this thing continues to hinder you? Um, Same thing in marriage. I said it a couple weeks ago in the Power of Our Relationship uh, sermon. If you and your spouse, if you think you guys are okay because you agree that you're okay, if just the two of you say, no, yeah, we're good, we're good, then you're already not okay. If you don't have somebody seeing your blind spots and speaking into you and coming alongside you and building you up and giving you wise counsel, then you're probably already in dangerous territory. Amen? So health is something we need to pay attention to. Finances is the third category that we should have a discussion with God about. Proverbs 28.20 says, A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Uh, one translation talks about how one eager to cut corners or take advantage and, and, and be a person who manipulates for their own gain. Uh, those people don't go unpunished. But it says this about a faithful person. It says a faithful person will be richly blessed. So you need to know it like this. If you see somebody who's living faithful, if you see somebody who's living a life served for God, what you ought to notice about their life is blessing in their life. God increasing their life. God putting his hand on their life. So my thing is, when you see someone serving God and loving God and going after God and taking steps for God, you can step back and say, oh, I can't wait to see how God's going to bless that. Richly bless that is what the scripture says. Amen? We ought to cheer each other on to blessings. Amen? And so that's my prayers for you this year. The scripture talks about this, how we are called to be good stewards of everything God gave us. So you're called to be a steward of your money, somebody who takes care of it, which means this. This year, you need to know your numbers. Like if I came up to you and said, hey, how much did you spend on out to eat last week or last month? You should have that answer. Or if I say, hey, you know, how much did you spend on, you know, this thing or that thing? Or how much did we spend on, you know, clothes or whatever we do, shopping? You need to know your numbers. God called you to be a steward of that, meaning you have a responsibility over it. So to steward it, you need to know your numbers. Um, One of our biggest categories when we make decisions about our finances, finances, is it a want or is it a need? Many of us fall over in the Napoleon Dynamite category where it's the Tupperware scene and you are living your life like this, I want that. And you just make decisions based on, I want that. But really, we need to make decisions based on, is this a need in my life? Does this help me in my life? Is this something that sets me up to do better in life? Can I handle this in my life? Amen? So want versus need is a really important goal that we need to sit out and sit down and filter everything to. That's why the scripture says, seek him first, do it God's way first, then everything else will be added unto you. When we make goals and we follow plans like this that are God's way, he's saying, hey, I'm going to take care of all that other stuff. I'm going to get you the Tupperware set. Don't worry about it. But if you put me first, like if you do it my way first, then everything else gets added unto you. And so write all that into how you do your goals. And then same thing with fun. You got to have some fun in your finances. Uh, Some of you Scrooge McDuck, McDuck, yeah, Scrooge McDuck, Western Michigan Dutch people, you're taking so much of your money to your grave and you're having no fun in your life. 
and that's not God's way either. He made the Garden of Eden, and he made it extravagant, and he put things together so that we could enjoy one another. Heaven is fun, and it has things to it. If we get to heaven, and you just have a recliner and a newspaper like half of these Dutch West Michigan people, uh, you're so offended. I said in first service, I did these jokes. Like, they're not scripted, but I was saying this in first service, and I said in first service because the same reaction. One person laughed, just like Peasley over here. And then I said in first service, I, I'm not doing these again in second service, but I actually took them further in second service. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm all about stewardship, and I'm all about taking care of your resources and doing it God's way, and I'm not saying you don't do that, and stewardship is good, but, like, God doesn't call you to financial constipation. I mean, really, <laughs> right? I mean, there's some people... They're just so stuck up, and their kids get to have no fun, and they don't get to do anything. Are you with me? So and I'm being truthful. The scripture says, number your days and, and plan accordingly. Like, teach us to number our days and do some stuff with them. Amen? Have some fun. Do some stuff. Uh, we had our 10-year anniversary last year. And we planned, we saved money, we went, we had a great time, we moved things aside in our life, we rebudgeted things, why? So that we could have some fun in life, and we stewarded ourselves in a way that we could enjoy the days that God gave us. I've told you before, ideas that Jess has is all throughout the year, she'll, she'll make gifts or she'll find good deals, she'll get Christmas presents and put them away in the closet, and she's like a lot of your moms, uh, you know how they say like you turn into your mom? She put all the gifts away. And forgot half of them on Christmas Day, right? I mean, like Christmas, I think we still actually have a gift right now out. When Charlie poops on the potty, he gets it. And it was supposed to be a Christmas gift. So now bribery, what I just told you, that's actually a hidden point seven. I'll teach you about that next year. Uh, but, but have some fun. So she'll, she'll do things all throughout the year. She's conscious of stewardship and saving money all throughout. You make plans like that, and God helps you. And then Christmas comes around, and you're not impulse buying and overspending. Amen? So make plans. And so there's so many people that say, oh, we don't get to do this, or we wish we could do something like that. And I'm just sitting here saying, well, if you planned and you made goals and you strategized, uh, people do, you know, all, all the time people come up to me and say, like, oh, you know, they're drinking a $7 Starbucks. Like, oh, we wish we could go on a vacation. I'm like, I wish I could drink a $7 Starbucks every day. <laughs> right? It's just if, if you look at, like, the amount of money you spend on a soda or it just if you look at stuff like that, I'm telling you, you can rearrange your life and steward your life. Cut cable. Do some things less. Do some of these things. So do some of the fun things that you want to do in life. Amen? So stewardship is a big deal. Ecclesiastes 2.24 says, Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat, drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. And of course, that goes the same for a woman. But God's desire is for you to be a person who labors on this earth and enjoys it finds significance in it, finds that it's meaningful. And so some of the ways in this is that uh, God works, he, he gives us secrets in scripture about how to do that. One of the ways is he says, hey, be faithful in little and I'll make you ruler over much. You may be on a job right now that you're not enjoying. You'd really like to be in another department or another time shift. And God really wants to get you into those places, but you're being a really bad steward of the area that you're in and God can't promote you. And so he's saying, I want you to enjoy your career. I want you to have success, but just be a good steward in it. Talk well about it. Speak life over it, and then God can promote us. Amen? I also think of this, like your career, you can see that as a, as a ministry. 
I believe there is such a thing as marketplace ministry, that God positions people into places in their community, in their workplaces, where he wants to use them to minister to people on those jobs. So go into your job and write some goals and say, God, you know what, this year, I want 10 opportunities to pray for somebody. I want 10 opportunities to tell somebody how much God loves them. And I believe God will help you do that. Amen? So your career is a big one. Community, we talked about this a little bit. But Hebrews chapter 10, 24, verses 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur on one another. Now, hold on. Let us consider, which means take some time thinking about. It should be what you spend some time on. You're considering. Let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So it's saying you need to spend some time considering how you gather together in God's house with God's people and God's presence. It should be on your mind. Amen? Not a, are we going? Are we not going? Should we? Shouldn't we? I don't know. The dog's got the sniffles. Maybe we better stay home. Amen? It says, and it says here, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I think there's some folks in our culture that are in the habit of not gathering together with their brother and sister. Amen? And it's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. So for you, you know, your community, your church community, what are your goals in your area? Gathering together, loving one another. Um, consider your territory, literally your neighborhoods, your, your places of influence. What would God have you do in those? So maybe you write a goal of like, hey, it's like I said, I want to pray for 10 people in my neighborhood or my community or the dance class I take my kids to or whatever it is. Just consider how God can use you in that, and he's going to make it happen for you. Amen? I'll close with this. It's my last one. It's spiritual, our spiritual goals. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God's going to give you wisdom, and he's also going to reveal things to you, meaning stuff's going to come into your life that teaches you, and then there's going to be stuff that comes into your life that he gives you discernment and revelation about. And our goal ought to be people who do that, who are continually desiring to learn the things of God and have the things of God revealed to us by God. Amen? And so spiritually, we, you don't graduate from faith school. You don't like get a badge that says, like, I've been a Christian 10 years, I'm level complete. No, we're always growing. The scripture says that you abound more and more, that we go from glory to glory. Your desire should be to continue to grow in the things of God. And so how can you pray more this year? How can you worship him more intimately and privately? And how can you spend more time worshiping him? Bible devotions, reading scripture, getting an app on your phone, something like that. Like how can you abound more and more in your biblical devotion? In serving at your church, how can you give yourself more to the body of Christ? Or sharing of your resources, how can you give yourself more to it? Those are questions we should ask each other in the category of our spiritual walk with God. Is how does God want to do more in us? Amen? I thought about it like this. I told you, you know, we don't want to overshoot and undershoot. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to go home, because this is our tendency, actually. You're going to open that book, and you're going to get ready to write a goal. And the enemy is going to say, whoa. Stop out. That's too big. You're never going to make that happen. So then you're going to be like, yeah, you're right, enemy. Let's do a little bit easier one. And you'll do one that's really easy to get. So what I want you to do, I want you to write practical steps, yes. But I want your goals to have faith in them. I want you to really have to trust God and need God to be able to accomplish what he's calling you into. Let's be a people in 2018 who we go after a God uh, out of the boat. 
not in the safe confines, but we step out on the water and we trust him for something big. Amen. I love what Mark Batterson says here about bold prayers, but you could also say it about bold goals. But he says this, bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. There is nothing God loves more than keeping promises, answering prayers, performing miracles, and fulfilling dreams. Amen? And so write goals that are like that, that have a God up in heaven who can't wait to see these big things come through. I thought about this. Most of us don't miss it because it's not possible. We miss it because we give up. Amen? Businesses, they're just about through breakthrough and then they give up too soon. They say that about, about new businesses. Or people, God's working and it's happening and they have a great thing going for them and they get distracted or somebody hurts them and they get offended and they give up. They give up on all the good that God is doing over a few negative things that God isn't doing. Don't give up. Amen? And then I love this. Bill Johnson says this. Just put it in our house. Uh, we see it every day in the kitchen. It says, God's expectation of us, God's expectation of us is to do the impossible. You're like, whoa. God's expectation of us is to be people who do the impossible. And the reason we know that's the truth is because before Jesus ascended to heaven, God said, Bill Johnson gives us this quote, it's awesome. Before he ascends to heaven, God says, hey, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, my helper. And then he says, you'll do even greater things than I've done. God's promise to us is that we can do more than even Jesus did with God. Of course, with God, we can do even more. Well, Jesus raised the dead, healed the sick, restored sight to blind people. And if he's saying you can do more then God's expectation of us is to be able to do the impossible. We just got to trust him and believe and go after it. Amen.